please be advised that tonight's episode contains sensitive language as well as subject matter. Greetings. Welcome to Sipping Tea with D. This is your host, Deirdre Simmons. Thank you for joining us this evening. As many high school students are beginning to prepare to further their education at colleges and universities across the country, the excitement of going away from home, meeting new friends, and the adventures of campus life are abound. Four years ago, our guest this evening left with the same anticipation. As an advocate in high school, she helped to organize and support causes anywhere she saw injustice, and she hoped to continue this work as a freshman in college. However, after an unexpected assault during an outing with an upperclassman, this future leader almost lost her voice. Through perseverance, bravery, counseling, and determination, she used this incident to speak even louder as she reclaimed her voice and became a spokesperson to support against gender-based violence. Please welcome Makaya Thomas. So our guest this evening is a community activist and advocate of women's issues um, with an emphasis on gender-based violence. Uh, She's a a partner, she's actually partnered with other other organizations such as Planned Parenthood, uh, Pro-Choice of Virginia, uh, and I want to congratulate her as she is currently a recent graduate of an HBCU with a major in political science and history. Uh, please help me to welcome Makaya Thomas to Sippin' Tea with D. Uh, Makaya, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm really excited. Oh, well, this is certainly a pleasure. Uh, Makaya, one of the reasons why um, I invited you and I thought that uh, your story was so interesting and would be great for our listeners is because oftentimes we don't give millennials the the support and the credit for being so active in the community. Uh, You guys have, uh, we've certainly seen that recently um, with the, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, standing up for your rights, just being really vocal about how you feel about, you know, how you're being treated, how we're being treated, not just uh, on a local level, but, you know, even globally. Um, The organization that you guys put forth in terms of certain issues. And I just thought it was really important that um, we address and we talk to you so that, people can see and understand that the work that you guys are doing is very serious work and 
you know, what led, you know, what would lead a young person to feeling like, you know, there's so much more I can do. I want to get involved in the community. I want to become an organizer. Um, I want to put focus on or highlight this particular issue to bring awareness. And I just think that that's so important. So um, I wanted our listeners, especially with many students, um, you know, not just graduating like you, but there are some young people that are now preparing for uh, attending colleges in the fall. And I just think that um, the information that you have is so important in helping, uh, especially our young women to prepare for that journey. So Makai, I wanna first ask you um, to just share a little bit with us on how and why um, you started this journey uh, in advocacy um, and in, in particular, uh, the focus on uh, women's issues or women or excuse me, gender-based violence? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, me personally, I, like you said, I went to HBCU. I went to Hampton University and I don't mind speaking on that because mm -hmm. my experience all the while it was interesting. It was, it's worth talking. Um, that's what we're talking to. And I think that the institution that I went definitely impacted uh, the way that I went about my work and how I got involved in those things. Okay. Um, but again, I went to Hampton University. Um, and before going to Hampton University, I was always super involved and super dedicated to advocacy work. I wanted to major in political science before going to Hampton University. Okay. Uh, I wanted to get into advocacy work and, you know, just making the world a better place. That's always what I wanted to do. Um, but when I had arrived at Hampton, within the first three to four weeks of school, which is a period called the red zone. Okay. Um, Can you tell our listeners what the red zone means? Yeah, of course. The red zone is... It, it's a really small window of time in the beginning of a college academic year mm -hmm. um, where a lot of students get sexually assaulted. Um, it's, a, it's a time period where a lot of people who are new to the campus environment are manipulated and are taken advantage of by people who are very familiar with the college scene. Okay. Um, so like a lot of like freshmen or like transfer students will experience like instances of sexual violence um, by people who are like familiar with the, with the territory. So like upperclassmen. Uh, so in my experience with the red zone, I was sexually assaulted um, during that, during that mad grab type period of time. Okay. So are you saying that um, these young women are intentionally targeted for those purposes or uh, it's just something that happens during that time? Because, you know, uh, at that point, particular time a lot of young women are just coming away from home um, mm -hmm. and you know they're excited about their new experiences and in some ways some can be uh, impressionable what what mm -hmm. do you think are the causes or what happens during this period of the red zone it's really hard to say honestly but mm -hmm. I think it is a combination of both like there are people who are upperclassmen that are just predators like they're they just have predatory practices okay um, and they 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 just behave in predatory ways. Um, but it doesn't really help that there are a lot of like young people that are coming onto these campuses who are 18, 19, who have never lived outside of their parents' homes before mm -hmm. and are walking onto these campuses kind of like blindsided by um, 
the reality of what a college campus is actually going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people when they're 18 years old, like they have like really flowery ideas of like what the college experience is like. I know that when I was going into Hampton, I was thinking like a different world and like, <laughs> like what they show you on TV and stuff okay. like that. Um, but like <laughs> the reality kind of like sets in a few months into the school year and mm-hmm. and I mean it is beautiful like what they show you on tv but mm-hmm. it's also like real like right. it's it's real it's so interesting that you brought up a different world because uh that's actually a show from my era and one of the things that I always credited the show for was showing an authentic experience at an HBCU mm-hmm. um because much of what we saw on the show at the time, um, you know, were experiences and things that were going on during the time that I was a student in college. Uh, However, uh, one of the episodes I recall from a different world uh, addressed an issue of a young woman being assaulted uh, Mm -hmm. by a young man. Um, And of course, you know, this was during the late 80s, early 90s. So the emphasis, uh, although, you know, they had introduced that topic, uh, the emphasis was not, you know, um, something that was talked about on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's important, um, you know, for you, uh, you know, as you know, as you said, you watched the show and you can't you came in with a, you know, a, a flowery or uh, what, what some people like to say sometimes a, a fantasy idea of what it would be like. And although it was it, it, it is pretty authentic, uh, unfortunately, for all things that are good, there are things that are bad. And mm-hmm. those are things that necessarily young women and young men, for that matter, are not always, uh, it's, it's not explained to them. It's not told to them that these are things that you need to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I do remember that episode. Uh, I I think I watched the show like a total of three times, like while okay. I was in undergrad. Okay. So, <laughs> I do remember them covering that and that, that was a really monumental episode in my opinion um, but like similarly to like the way the episode played out like it's similar like to now like there hasn't been much change in a lot of those scenarios like people are still walking into those same situations okay what, what do you think um, just based on your experience what do you think that uh, a young lady should consider or um, watch out for when uh, entering a college campus? I think that that's a little bit of a difficult question um, because, you know, in my work, after I I had experienced my situation with sexual violence, Mm -hmm. I spent the entirety of almost a year, like, blaming myself. Like, what could I have done differently? Or, like, what should I have done? Like, should I not have worn that dress? Like, I actually ended up throwing the dress in the garbage. I never wanted to see it again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I spent the entire time, like, blaming myself for what had happened to me. And it wasn't until I had gotten into the advocacy portion of, like, just taking that situation and turning it into something that I could, you know, change my and the environment that I was in, like, trying to weaponize it into of some type of method of like you know changing the culture that I was in that I realized that there was really nothing that I could have done to like change how that person treated me 
Okay. Like okay. there was nothing that I could have done differently to stop him from trying to take advantage of me mm-hmm. or trying to manipulate me or trying to like enact that violence on me. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, like we we can all do things um to build community with one another. Yeah. Uh, something that women can do is, you know, create spaces for other women to like be honest about those things and create spaces for other women to be able to, you know, talk about it and also be believed when they're coming forward about those things. Um, but I don't think, I don't think we should be preparing women to experience those things. I think we should be preparing um, our communities as a whole to stop this violence as a whole. Okay. Like we should be pushing people, you know, to understand consent. Like we should push, push people to understand, like if somebody says no, like that's it. Or somebody's uncomfortable, like that's, that's the end of the situation um, and that you can't, drink somebody into wanting to have sex with you like you can't um influence them in any other type of way Mm -hmm. i think we should like i think when when we try to put the onus on on girls like to not get assaulted um we take like the 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 responsibility off of the people who are doing the assaulting right and it's it's hard it's it's definitely hard because you do you do want like young women who are walking on these campuses to like be protected and to, you know to have their eyes open and uh, unfortunately a lot of our institutions are not doing the work to make sure that these young girls are being protected and not even just young girls but um just people who are being assaulted in general mm-hmm. um like our institutions are not doing everything that they need to do um but the perfect place to start is to, you know letting them know like you can speak about this here like you do not have to be silenced here like you don't have to be backed in a corner that way okay so when you say that our institutions aren't taking a a, a well enough approach are you mean do you mean in terms of just the safety issue in terms of having enough um maybe uh safety officers or safety points on campus or are you referring to just allowing if something to this extent does happen or uh, that these women have somewhere to go where they can speak mm-hmm. freely about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So is it more? Yeah, like, I think, I think like a lot of institutions try to do their best, like, you know, to put physical barriers um, to stop like sexual violence from happening. Like there's a lot of schools that have like a closed gate policy, like the school that I went to actually, you can't get on campus after a certain time period. Like okay. it's, it, they have very like quality, like, physical safety measures Mm -hmm. um, but these things are still persisting in this community Um, so it kind of like is like well you have like these police officers walking around like how are people still ending up in these situations and a lot of that has to do with like changing our 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 culture like like how culturally we respond to things and how we teach um, young people to treat one another Mm. Uh, so it's not necessarily just like physically having more like security walking around like because security hasn't stopped that so far. Um, But if people can't like come forward and say like, hey, this happened to me and and not be like rectified in some way, this person's not receiving justice for coming forward. Like a lot of people look at those situations and be like, well, he got to live with it anyway. Like, so is it really that bad? Like in this one, like this woman or this young person or whoever has been assaulted has to constantly walk around with the shame of that, knowing that these institutions don't have like, measures in place to make sure that you know they're not in class with somebody who sexually assaulted them after the fact or they're not like walking around and having to see this person in public places all the time okay do you feel like uh in your situation um did you feel you said you felt 
guilty that you blamed yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Did you also, you know, that guilt that you felt, did it have an impact on how uh, you interacted after that going forward, you know, with other people on campus? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think my situation was a little unique um, because... In what way? Uh, when I was sexually assaulted, it was during that red zone. It was when people were just getting on campus. So people um, were still, like, you know, up in the air having fun and all of those things. Okay. Um, but at the time, like, I didn't know what Title IX was. And Title IX is the place where you're supposed to go to report these things. I didn't know where Title IX was. So I couldn't even go to the office to report it if I did know that I was supposed to report it there. And I didn't know what to do or where to go after that time period. Okay. Um, so it definitely affected the way that I interacted with the entire year. Like, if I had known, like, and I, I hate to get into, like, if I did know or if I didn't know, what could I have done better? Um, because I, I think it played out the way that it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think and my why situation would I, I, I hate what happened to me but it led me onto like a path of advocacy it led me on a path to reclaiming my own power in a way that like I don't think title nine could have ever given me wow I don't think I don't think that that any type of situation where I was like walking through that process with like a police officer or anything like that was going to be able to give me my power back Mm. and any other way than me like claiming it for myself like this is not this okay. is not who I am. Okay. Um, so I think that my healing journey went the way that it was, it, it needed to for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody doesn't feel that way. Like everybody has their own um, guidelines. Like some people, justice for them is being able to get this person off campus. Okay. And they should have those resources to do so. And they should have those opportunities to, to like map that out or like to get that. Like that should be accessible to them, of course, like, because of that course. is what is necessary for them to feel like they can move on with their lives. And I feel like the way that our, our institution was like set up, like that wasn't a possibility for a lot of people. Like me not knowing where Title Nine was, like mm-hmm. if that was the route that I needed to take, I, that would not have been accessible to me at all. Now, like, Title Nine is that a um, is that a form that you had to fill out or? Was that Title something IX. with this constitution written in your school's bylaws or something? Title, Title IX is a federally funded um, office. Okay. It's a federally required office, and it's to make sure that all people who are on a campus have access to everything that they need, access to equal educational opportunities, and they're not being discriminated on the on the basis of, like, gender. Okay. Um, so Title IX deals with issues like sexual violence they deal with stalking they deal with um like if you're being harassed like harassment sexual harassment and things like that um so anything that would like they also deal with things like equal access to sports so like if a, if a woman wanted to play basketball like she'd be able to play basketball um because it's an equal opportunity type space and and um, where would you have to go in order to or where did you have to go in regards to Title IX to uh, address this particular issue? Title IX, it has its own office. Well, it should have its own office on every campus. Okay. Um, But in my situation, Title IX was not extremely accessible. I didn't know where it was. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know what to do um, in that situation. So I ended up not going to Title IX at all. Okay. Okay. And how how were you able to find out that it even existed? I think like through the process, you know, like 
you eventually start to pick up more resources once you finally have the language to speak like like when I finally had the language to say okay this happened to me and this was not okay like I was able to sit down with a therapist who was able to talk through the the places that I could go if I wanted to and Title okay. IX was like amongst that list okay. but it took it took quite some time and it had to it, it required me taking the initiative to say like hey like this was not right and I would like to do something about it now, when you talk about uh, things like you, you use the term predator, uh, and, I, and and it's interesting because when we hear predator, we often think of um, you know predators uh, in terms of those that are that focus on children, but to hear uh, the term predator uh, being used in reference to. Uh, I guess you're on a campus, so you're you're in, you're in an environment with your peers. What do you think uh, causes, or just, and this is just your opinion, of course, do you think there are a lot of societal um, influences in terms of uh, the thought process of a predator on a college campus? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I think, I think definitely. Okay. Could you speak to those uh, in a sense? I think that a lot of the, a lot of the things that we're socialized to mm-hmm. think the way that we're socialized to treat one another mm-hmm. um, have to do with, you know, respect and who you should and shouldn't respect. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of violence has to do with the thought process of like, I have the power to do this. I have the power to get away with this. Um, and when you, especially when you're talking about like sexual violence and I'll just use this cultural example um I went to a school that was like heavily centered around gender roles and it was heavily centered around like well a woman that is from this institution will carry herself in this way okay and she will she will dress this way and she will talk this way and she will do these these things and if she does act this way she is deserving of your respect but when you have like a culture that is crafted around that like Anybody who falls outside of those things, mm. you are now socialized to think that they are not deserving of your respect. Okay, so like, if a woman dressed a certain way, or if mm-hmm. she spoke uh, with a certain vernacular, then that mm-hmm. would be, uh, if that did not fit into a particular mold, that she would then be deemed as unacceptable. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, like okay. she would not be deserving of your respect. So okay. you could do things. You okay. could you could act a certain way, like you could purse certain boundaries because they were not deserving of your respect. And culturally, that creates a system where like women and like people who are not what are are deemed as like the standard mm-hmm. um, can be treated in in very devious ways. Like they can be treated in ways that like you wouldn't treat somebody who was holding those standards. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't enact that type of violence on somebody. Like so you think if you take those uh, that thought process and combine it with uh, that of what you know what we see on social media, uh, uh, how women are uh, you know the concept of women in terms of music and uh, just how women are you know, the conception of how women are seen in our society in particular, uh, young black and African, you know, African-American women, women of color. Um, mm-hmm. if you couple that with 
those types of views, someone who has, um, you know, a mixed idea and you put all that together, um, that kind of is a recipe for <laughs> disaster. disaster. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yes, it's a we, recipe for disaster. You know, because you're taking, you know, you have all these, you know, oftentimes, uh, I, I know, and even, even from my uh, perspective, you know, I had a grandmother who was, um, uh, I, I often make jokes that she, you know, she was a Southern belle. She was from, you know, a small town in, in, in Georgia. Uh, however, there were certain things in her mannerisms and uh, certain ways in which she spoke, you know, and she would say, oh, a young lady shouldn't be so loud and don't be so loud. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even the way she held her purse. I thought was very interesting and her lips were always closed very tightly and you know just (laughs) you know just certain things and I understood that for her uh and in her era that women were perceived and uh and seen a certain way but for me who came several generations after you know they came a few generations after her you know um you know, we were, you know, when you got to a certain age, you know, that you were kind of coming into your own, so to speak. You know, uh, when I was, when I was a young girl, women wore um, slips under their skirts and, (laughs) you know, and they had to wear camisoles on top of their bras. And now, you know, women, you know, I mean, for the most part, you know, there's thongs. Some women don't wear underclothing at all mm-hmm. <laughs> you know which is something that is so that was unheard of but it's also uh, a level and a forge of a certain independence however that should not put that woman in a category any different because she does those things than a woman who did wear a slip or camisole mm-hmm. I mean at the end of the day um it's it's important, you know, as you said earlier, is that we start to look at fundamentals and teach things such as how you're supposed to be treated and um, not, you know, and, and, and make it understood that, you know, in our communication, in our interaction, when someone says they're not interested in something or when someone says no, that it is okay to say no. And it is okay for someone for, to tell you no. You know, that, you know, that it doesn't, it's not a reflection on that person as an individual, but if you have, um, if your your thought process is different, that may be uh, difficult for you to, um, you know, for you to process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of us are taught, like, especially going off that point, that we're taught that um, what we want is priority. Mm -hmm. um, And that, like, if I want to go after this. If I want this, then all I have to do is go after it hard enough and I can get it. Um, but that's just not the reality when it comes to things like like other people's bodies and mm-hmm. other people's space and other people's time. Exactly. Like, like, exactly. When, like if somebody says no, like 
it's just no but like because like you know socialization is such a, a big thing as a whole and we could probably go on for hours about like how we're socialized to treat people right um but like when you're like raised up in an environment that prioritizes self over others or like self over the collective like what you want is going to take priority and it's going to wire your brain in a way that if I want this I'm going to go get it and if I want if I want your body then I'm going to take that too like and it's 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 such a it's a difficult place to really navigate because it requires unlearning so much mm-hmm. like it requires so much like taking the time to understand like well why do you feel like this person wasn't deserving of their respect why do you why don't you believe this person when they're saying that this happened like why don't you think that this possibly could have happened to this person like why don't you trust what they're saying um especially when it comes to black women and girls like like black women Black women and girls are hyper-sexualized so much more than any other population. Um, And historically speaking, like there's so much written about the way that Black women and girls are treated as as it pertains to their sexuality. They're they're held to like such a high standard. Yeah, certainly. As soon as you see neck, you see collarbone and it's like, whoa, like. Yeah, exactly. What's going on there? I mean, mean, we can even go back to, I mean, uh, slavery. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, we we were looked upon as uh, breeding tools. Mm-hmm. Um, when a, a young girl became a certain age, I mean, even as young as 12 years old. So, I mean, you, you're, you're absolutely right. Like uh, just the way in which, uh, you know, black women, women of color are viewed, uh, you know, overall, uh, is certainly, um, can, is still impacting us yeah. in a sense today, but you know, what I wanted to, uh, focus mostly on is the, what you did after that and Mm -hmm. how you were able to take that incident and move to an even higher level of um, not only in your own consciousness, but in which you were able to reach out and speak out and help other women despite uh, that happening to you. Could you speak to that for us a little bit? Yeah, of course. I think my experience was extremely traumatizing for me. And like to the point where I did terrible, like my first year of school, I almost lost my scholarship and everything. Mm. Um, I was miserable. Like I was like, yeah, like what is going on? Um, But the one thing that uh, was keeping me like kind of in a good place was the fact that I was organizing and I was like making changes in my community. Um, And I was doing that around voting. And I was like doing that around, you know, political engagement. But I was just like thinking at some point, like, well, what if we're we're doing all this to like change the way that people think about voting? What if we did this to change the way that people thought about women or like mm. the way that people think about like how they should treat one another? Like what if what if we just like shifted that focus? And as I was thinking those things and I was like entertaining those thoughts, I started reading, of course. And I had ran into an organizer who worked with Planned Parenthood who has actually um done they have like programs for young people to learn how to organize and learn how to tap into those skills. Um, so like she gave resources to better understand um, how I could work to change the culture around um, okay. gender-based violence like in our communities and not just like sexual assault and like physical violence but just like other violent things like the fact that your school might not offer methods of birth control if people don't want birth control or like the way that our schools treat dress code or the the way that our schools treat um how how like consequences like how like the way that they 
they're going to take consequences to uh, women versus men students, or even if like, it's interesting, in other you said dress like code. Um, I'm sorry, so, it's interesting you said dress code because lots of time, oftentimes, dress codes when they are uh, formulated and created, <laughs> the focus is placed upon women and how we're dressed mm-hmm. and how we're and how we're seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Um, I, I work in education and even in that environment with uh, limitations in terms of dress code, it's, it's always been interesting to me how the focus is uh, placed upon uh, a female educator as opposed to a male educator and how she is dressed, how she is viewed by her students in terms of her dress. Um, so it's just interesting that you brought up, you know, that, that you know, the dress code, because it certainly does play a factor, mm-hmm. but please go on. Yeah, I think in, in learning those things, um, she, she did introduce me to the skills and um, tactics that I could use to, like, you know, organize on my campus to, like, mobilize people to um, change their minds or, like, um, navigate Mm-hmm. our culture differently um, she also introduced me to a lot of things that I could read and unlearn um, a lot of the things that I had been um, taught to think about women think about other women and think oh wow about could you, um, yeah, I'm sorry so could you share some thing, of those things with us like what do you mean by in terms of what you thought about women because that's an interesting point I think okay so the best example that I can give is you know like being in education like my entire life which is actually so funny because I'm about to teach (laughs) like like uh, a lot of the things that we subconsciously tell people about how they should Mm. behave to be received properly a a lot of times when I was like growing up like people would look at me it's like oh she's defiant she's disrespectful that's a bad kid when in reality like if you really start to like break down some of those things I was saying hey maybe Mm. you shouldn't treat me this way like and like people will say like oh like you don't know how to like address this room. You don't know how to say this. You don't know how to say that. Like you don't know how to bring your issue to the forefront. You're not treating me the way that you're supposed to be treating me all the while. Like I'm being disrespected. I'm being taught to silence myself. Like I'm being taught to be quiet. I'm being taught to, if I have a problem, like maybe keep it to myself, like, or maybe so not unconsciously, call it or stuff like that. And I right. think that's a, because that's unconsciously we, we sort of yeah. do that. We say it's not okay to to speak up for yourself or uh, you know or is it's mm-hmm. saying you know by silencing you or saying that you know when you do speak that oh you're disrespectful or you know um you you shouldn't you should never uh you shouldn't talk when other adults are talking when adult when adults are talking or something like mm-hmm. that it's almost like saying that you know what you have to say is not as important or that um your opinion mm-hmm. doesn't matter maybe Okay, so those right, the, that's a lot, and that happens a right. lot to to black girls mm-hmm. more than anybody else, and that's like one demographic of people. There's a lot of resources on that. I think a, a really good documentary to watch mm-hmm. on the way that black girls are treated, um, and kind of conditioned into that silence and conditioned into like, um, like what people would consider socially acceptable behaviors okay. is the documentary Push Out. Um, and it's about the criminalization of black girls in schools. 
um, and how we're taught basically to like criminalize ourselves, <laughs> like, like how the things that people say to us in like school settings, like teach us to like silence ourselves and make ourselves small and to like fit into the molds that everybody else gives to us. And another book that really does touch on that is um, Sister Citizen okay. by Melissa Harris Perry, which is a really good book about like how institutionally black women have been over sexual, like hypersexualized and then silenced um, okay. at the same time. Like, so that puts us in a position where we can experience violence at higher rates and then people won't listen to us. Wow. Thank you for sharing those resources. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those resources because it really is important. And sometimes we send these messages and we do it and and it it could be, it's culturally sometimes like we don't even realize that's what we're doing, you Mm -hmm. know, and this is why uh, Mm -hmm. you can, you know, a woman, a young black woman can, you know, become older and get in the workplace. And when she's presenting, uh, her ideas or she's passionate about uh, a particular issue, she can be deemed as combative or argumentative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yet, yet, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, someone of non exactly could, could, could voice the same concerns and, you know, they would be a contributor, you know, so it's just, or t- Right, exactly. They say the or exact the same thing, and they'd be exactly, like, "Wow, revolutionary!" Exactly. So like, it, it is really important what? we understand <laughs> how uh, we relay certain messages, uh, because at the end of the day, um, if you weren't able to identify those things, perhaps you wouldn't be able to sit here and speak with me now. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Because I, I think, like, especially for me, like when I was growing up, like people would want me to just like like god i wish she would just stop like i wish she would just stop like she's gonna get herself into mm-hmm. trouble like if she doesn't just stop mm-hmm. like if she doesn't just stop yelling like and i know that that was like a concern for my mom because like i was always one of those kids i would like speak out like if something mm-hmm. was racist i was saying it was racist but like my mom would be like oh my god i don't want this girl to right. get into, into any trouble like in, in her effort to like try to keep me out of trouble she was teaching me in some ways to like be quiet like she was teaching me to just like not say anything exactly like, trying to protect exactly. me she was teaching me to like and see that's the thing quiet. too that we don't understand that um again you see you know that that protection because that's basically what it is you know when when, when we're giving these yeah. messages you know we're, we're 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 trying to find a way to protect our children and we're trying to find a way you know we, we mm-hmm. don't want them to because society we already know you know, in the back of our minds that society doesn't necessarily see us um, in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So because of that, you know, again, it is that protection. You know, I was told the same thing. Yeah, Yeah. I can definitely acknowledge it as that. I can definitely accept Mm -hmm. it as her trying to protect me. And and, and I understand that. But it's just sometimes I I just kind of like get to a place where like, well, what if we just created a society where we didn't have to do that? Like, we didn't have to protect our babies from from speaking up. Like, what if we could just speak and people would listen? And it's, def- it's definitely a difficult balance because, you know, everybody wants to be safe. Like, we want our, we want our babies to be safe. Like, we want the people coming mm-hmm. up after us to be okay. Like, but, like, we also don't want them to be so silent that they're repeating generations of trauma. Like, they're experiencing the same trauma that we had already experienced and we're not healing them and healing those spaces so that they're not. So you feel in your uh, advocacy work with, um, you know, gender-based violence and other women's issues. Do you, you feel that you're being a contributor to um, that healing? 
I hope so. I really do hope so. I think that I think that we can't learn from things okay. that we don't speak about and we can't grow from things mm. that we don't talk about. Like we can't we can't we can't teach people to we can't teach people not to have these instances of violence if we're not telling them that these instances of violence exist. Like we can't we can't move forward from it if we're not acknowledging them and then also understanding like the root of them and then teaching them to do differently, which is why I'm super excited to actually teach history because <laughs> uh, because I think if you understand the past, then you can oh, equip yourself for the future. Like when you when you understand like what happened to your parents and you understand what happened to your grandparents, you understand why they were treating each other this way or why other people were treating them this way, then you can really look at it for what it is and then move forward. Like, I think when we look at our parents and, like, some of the lessons that they give us, like, we don't have, like, a full picture. Right. We only have what they're saying to us. Like, like we only have, like, like, okay, I need you to be quiet. I need you to be quiet. But you don't have, like, why they're telling you to be quiet. Like, they don't, you don't have, like, the full picture of, like, why they're, they're telling you to, like, sit down and like <laughs> why they're telling you to like behave this way in this space mm-hmm. like you don't have all of that information but when you go back and you learn it you can understand the bigger picture you can understand them as people and not just do you parents. think that's what gave uh, you and you can like move forward no I'm sorry go on mm-hmm. no you can just move forward I was just saying you can just you when you understand things as they are like you can move you can exactly. instead of repeating the lesson. Now, do you again. think that's what gave you your voice? Is that what helped you to uh, put yourself together and get out and be the voice of those who are unable to speak, who've experienced the same things that you have? I think God blessed me with a voice okay. that just wouldn't shut up in okay. a weird kind of way. <laughs> like I think, I think that my experiences. I had to experience these things so that I could have the language. Um, and I think that like understanding these things and reading them and then also, you know, just being in an organizing capacity, people trust you to tell you about their stories. Like they trust you to tell you what they're experiencing. And mm-hmm. I think when you hear it enough, like you, you at some point say like, okay, this is enough. Like this, this cannot happen anymore. And I think like hearing that, feeling that, and then living in that, like, at some point you have to say like, okay, this stops now. Like we can't, like we can't, we can't continue to let this happen. Has this empowered you? I think that's what gave me a voice. Okay. I think so. Yeah. I would, I would say yes. I think it's led me on a very interesting journey, uh, a very like powerful journey of self. And I think that it is exactly what led me into the field of education um, because I think when you teach people, you teach, you mm-hmm. also teach them how to treat each other. Like when you, even when you're teaching them science, like, or, or math, like you're still teaching them like exactly how to interact with one another. Like you're teaching them how to respect one another. You're teaching them how to, you know, right. Share space with people. Uh, so I think like in understanding like this violence that I was experiencing and understanding like, um, the society that we live in that makes it possible for this type of violence to like take place. Like it also empowered me to be like, okay, like I want to teach other people. Like I want to touch a whole bunch of lives so that they know not to treat other people like this or that they know 
how to treat people with respect or that they know mm-hmm. like what happened before so that they can do better. In I the think future. that's an excellent place to start um, because those things are certainly very important. I mean, it's important for young people, despite whatever uh, background or things that are going on within their own households, that it's very important for them to be in an environment mm-hmm. where they think, see where people are just and that the importance of how to get along with other people, you know, conflict resolution, how to interact with others, um, how to share space, as you said, with others, which is something that sometimes often people don't think of. Uh, it, it's really important that they see, you know, uh, kindness and how you should answer someone when, you, when, 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 you know, you're being asked a question, uh, something to that extent, you know, uh, that may be something that they're not aware of. Mm-hmm. You know, they may be in an environment where when they ask questions that they're yelled at for asking those questions. So, you know, so everything mm-hmm. is uh, that foundation of it goes back to what you said earlier uh, on in our discussion that um, these are just fundamentals that people need to know so that when they get into a, a, a larger environment and they have interaction with other Mm -hmm. people that they don't seek people and their interactions with people as an opportunity to satisfy themselves Mm -hmm. you know that you know they Mm -hmm. don't seek those opportunities as ways to um you know to satisfy whatever their wants and needs are as individuals but that they look at the bigger picture in in terms of respect Mm -hmm. in terms of understanding boundaries So I, I think that that's really important. Um, Micaiah, I really, really appreciate you sharing uh, your story. And you, you certainly uh, shared a lot of tea with us <laughs> this, after- this afternoon, um, <laughs> uh, this evening, I'm sorry. I just, I really, really want, uh, just before we close out, for you to kind of um, just provide uh, some, you know, s- uh, what you would say to a young woman who is uh, entering school this fall, what would be your advice to her? Or even, and, and as well as a young man. Uh, my advice is always go in there and be your best self. Um, be absolutely who you are. Like, don't don't try to manipulate yourself out of fear and don't try to manipulate yourself out of, um, out of being scared. Uh, I think we are Mm -hmm. exactly who we're supposed to be. Uh, of course, like you want to be careful, make sure that you have a good group of friends around you, make sure that you are exactly who you want somebody to, to be for you. Like if you want somebody to make sure that you get home safe, then you make sure that everybody's getting home safe too. If you want somebody who's going to answer the phone, if you're in an emergency, answer the phone. <laughs> like if you want to be, be exactly who you would need other people to be. I think the best piece of mm-hmm. advice when I was going into college is to um, be the adult that wow. you needed when you were a kid. Uh, and I think that like, that's, that's, that's going to be something that's going to be vital. And I think that just tapping into that was the reason why I was able to take like mm-hmm. that situation that I was in and then turn it around and be like, okay, like I'm going to be the adult that I needed like that first, 
three weeks of school. I'm going to be that person that everybody needed when they were in that situation. And I think if you walk into it with Mm -hmm. the energy about you that says, like, I am the adult that I needed in this situation or I am the person that I needed when I was in this situation, like, that same energy will radiate back, back to you. Definitely what you put out is what well I certainly certainly think that's great advice and again I appreciate you coming and talking to us speaking speaking to our listeners about your journey Uh, I'm sure the information you provide is going to uh, be a blessing to someone Uh, thanks again Micaiah for joining us best of luck to you and all that you do, I'm sure we're certainly going to hear a lot more from you in the future. Uh, I get, I have, I just have a mm-hmm. feeling listening to you. There's even some political uh, aspirations abound, but uh, <laughs> but a little bit. yeah, yeah, I can just certainly tell. But <laughs> again, thank you for joining this us this evening at Sipping Tea with D. This is your host, Deirdre Simmons, and have a great night. According to a 2019 survey by the Association of American Universities, there is a 13% rate of non-consensual sexual contact in colleges, 23.1% of females and 5.4% of males experience rape or sexual assault through physical force, as reported by the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. If you or someone you know has experienced sexual assault or a life-threatening situation, please seek help from the following sources immediately. First, by calling 911 or Women Organized Against Rape at www.woar.org. The National Domestic Violence Hotline, 1-800-799-7233. Additional organizations include Love is Respect at 1-866-331-9474. All of these organizations provide 24-hour hotlines, free group or peer counseling, in addition, educational and preventive services. Thank you.